This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 192 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Off the beaten path. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections, Equity Manufacturing, and Kentucky Performance Products are our sponsors for today. Visit StableScoop.com for links to these terrific Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They bring you the news through hell or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. I am Glenn the Geek. And I am Helena B. And you are listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Something very exciting is going to happen next week that does not happen very often. Uh, I'm going to get a manicure? Nope, you're going to see me in Yay! person. Yay! Well, that is if you come in before Tuesday, because on Tuesday I'm leaving for Kentucky for Rolex. So I'll do my best. I'll see if I can squeeze that in before you leave. Oh, you I better. wish I was going to Rolex, but you I'm better. happy going to Florida. I haven't had a Helena hug in a long time. Oh, I know. I have a very big... I know. We missed Ada this year. I, know. I haven't seen you since... Um, over a year. I missed Ada last year. That's I missed Rolex year. last year. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen you since last January. I know. So we got, you got to get here and see the new place. And you're going to be in Florida anyway. You're going to be an hour away from us. I am. I am. I'm going to. I'm really looking forward to it. We haven't been to Florida. I, we were talking about this in the last episode. I haven't been to Florida in like, I don't know, 15 years. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. My mom's there and, um, you know, my best friends are there. Two of my, my two best friends in the whole wide world are there. There what am I go. still doing up here? Anyway, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> hey, we, uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, I, I, we need to start off a little bit serious this week on the show. We have some uh, terrific guests coming up a little bit later, but I did, can't go through this show without mentioning Amy Tryon. I realize that that's uh, news that everybody has heard already, but we, Helene and I haven't been able to talk about it. It's the first show we're doing after her death. Amy Tryon was a, an Olympic eventer. Um, she was well-known through the eventing world. Well-known here to the Horse Radio Network, been on our shows many times. Her husband, Greg, is a terrific guy, a hell of a horse husband. Well-known at the shows for being the most helpful guy out there, would do mm. anything for you. And Greg actually was one of the first horse husbands I had on the first Horse Husbands episode three, four years ago. Yes, he was on the inaugural team <laughs> and he talked about his wife and he talked about amy and how they you know what their lives were like and amy was a firefighter before she quit to do uh, riding full-time and greg was firefighter as well <clears throat> so they you know they had that history together they met at the fire department and uh amy died in her sleep uh, last week she um the, the autopsy results are not in nobody quite knows why greg uh went up to go to bed and Amy said, I'm just going to stay up for a little bit longer uh, and watch TV. And she stayed up uh, apparently on the couch with the dogs 
And Greg actually woke up the next morning, came down, and, and found her. She was not moving. So she died in her sleep is the way it looks. Um, and, they, they again, we don't know why. Uh, they're doing a memorial service this Friday in Washington State for her at a farm there in Washington. You can find more information about it. Just look for Tryon Eventing, T-R, or T-Y-R-O-N Eventing. You'll find all the information you need if you're in that area and want to attend. Uh, this is definitely a, a loss. This hit the eventing world pretty hard because everybody knew Amy. She was an Olympian, you know. Um, she had been on the teams before. She had competed all over the world. And she was just such a nice person. She she had a smile. She was just a regular person. She was just a regular person. Well, and very had, upbeat, you know. Yeah, uh, just, yeah. Just had a smile all the time. Greg was the, the guy in the barns that you always knew was there because he's a character and <laughs> just had a good time. They didn't have any children. Um, and I hear that Greg's taking it hard. I can only imagine, you know, something happened to Jennifer, what I'd be like. So, um, yeah. so the best to Greg and the family and to the whole eventing world, uh, our thoughts and prayers from the horse radio network are with you all. Um, and they're going to do a tribute also at Rolex this year for her. So there'll be a service there and I'm sure there won't be a dry eye in the house. Um, cause no. she's competed at Rolex many times. It's, she's, um, yeah, she's an inspiration. You know, I, it's been bugging me as to how someone like Amy just falls asleep and doesn't wake up again. And, you know, I was talking with a friend of mine and saying, you know, it's uh, when I first saw the a friend had said it, had posted it on Facebook, which is, you know, with the internet these days, news just spread so fast. And I, my first response was, is this real? Like, this is, is this a joke? Is this some kind of like funky Facebook scam thing going on? And, um, you know, of course it was, it, it freaks me out. And I, I said, it, I don't know if it's the new generation of information sharing, you know, the same number of people are, are dying as, as ever, but now we just know about each and every one because it's tweeted the minute it happens. And, um, you know, Amy was a superhero. She had superhero riding skills. And I think a lot of us identify with her. Uh, you know, she's sort of this middle-aged eventing rock star, and we're all middle-aged eventing rock star wannabes. <laughs> right. Yep, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean. She's just a regular person. So it's like, oh, wait a minute. Look what somebody at 42 can achieve. She's totally, you know, still young and viable and an Olympic competitor and comes from a regular place, earned her way there, worked her way there. She represents everything that the younger generation could be. And everything the older generation still could be, you know. Um, so I, I think even if you didn't know her personally, you're feeling the loss of, I guess, that potential of a hope and a dream. So that's uh, that's sad, um, obviously, for the whole horse world. And you hate to hear things like this, but uh, that's that's what's going on. Is there will be the two memorial services coming up? Uh, all right, let's uh, let's see if we can continue on here. Let's take a little bit of a break for our first uh, commercial today, and then we're going to come back with Robin Shindelli of Backcountry Horsemen of America and talk a little bit about the hard work that they do to keep the trails that you ride on clear. Hi, Glenn, back with you from the Horse Radio Network. I'm here with Debbie with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week, and it's baby time. Yes, it is. Um, this April is when the foals start to come, and we have uh, featuring this week all of our foal halters that we have on our site because you want to get these babies in their halters 
almost immediately. In fact, as soon as they're up and nursing and moving around, you can put these halters, they're designed for babies, you can put them on them, and from the very beginning, they're used to halters and they're used to being handled. Totally, I, I have babies and I totally recommend that you start doing that right away. We have several different types on our site. We have the Weaver one and the Perry's one, and they particularly, they have grab straps that go with them so you can teach the little babies to lead. Um, we've got a little full lead line that goes with one of the halters, and we've got full blankets in case you are living in an area that is still cold. We do have that, even though we haven't had much of a winter here. Babies are saved by some of these full blankets um, during the colder winter months when they're folder or, or early spring months. Yeah, I just went into a question collections.com and searched full and you've got full jewelry and you've got uh, <laughs> you got all kinds of things for full full socks. Uh, right, right. I and I wanted to mention that um, on our web, be sure and check our Facebook page, um, okay. our Equestrian Collections Facebook page. We're going to be featuring all kinds of pictures of, of foals on our pages, and you might want to even participate and send some pictures of your own baby. Well, that's terrific. It's equestriancollections.com. Just search for foal or foal halter or foal blanket, any one of those, and you'll find the entire selection there at equestriancollections.com. Thank you, Debbie. We'll talk to you again next week. Well, now we're going to be speaking with Robin Shindelli of the Backcountry Horsemen of America. It's a terrific group that does a lot of hard work, but has a little fun along the way, too. And we're going to learn more about that now. Well, hi, Robin, and welcome to the Stable Scoop Radio Show. We appreciate you coming on. Well, I'm glad to be here. Well, you know, I think think we talked about the Backcountry Horsemen once before on the show, but it's been years. So tell us a little bit about what the Backcountry Horsemen of America is and and what you guys do. Well, the Backcountry Horsemen of America is a volunteer service organization. And... uh, the purpose of this organization is, and I'll, I'll read directly from the mission statement, is to perpetuate the common sense use and enjoyment of horses in America's backcountry and wilderness. Well, that eliminates me. He threw common sense in there, so I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we, we, do, we work. We are the number one um, volunteer organization for the National Forest Service. Um, and we primarily work in Forest Service. Public, public lands is our mission. Um, as you know, over the previous decades, a lot of access as well as um, trails have been lost um, due to financial uh, differences within the Forest Service and a loss of resources. And so we try and take up that slack wherever we can. Our primary activity in, uh, is clearing trails and, and building equine facilities at trailheads. And we work with the Forest Service, the BLM, as well as National Park Service um, and state organizations. I think one of the big misconceptions, uh, and I know I thought this originally too, was that the backcountry horsemen were just trail riders who went out and trail rode, but it's, you do a ton of work. Yes, as a matter of fact... Since, well, in 2010, those are the latest numbers. We'll see the 2011 numbers here at the end of the month. We, uh, the Backcountry Horseman of America, contributed 315,442 hours to the 
national to public lands across the country. And and on equivalency, according to the Forest Services, our monetary contribution is worth well eleven million nine hundred forty-two thousand dollars. So just short of twelve million dollars in two thousand ten alone. Wow, uh, that's a lot of cash. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. It is, and and you know the, our our federal agencies as well as statings, they are strapped uh, for resources, and. So- you know, we, like I say, we try and take up the flag. Now, do you, is it all work and no play, or do you guys get out and play, too? Oh, we get out and play, too. And normally, we are, I'm in a fairly active chapter here in Idaho, but it's pretty much the same for most chapters, um, at least here in the West. We try to schedule two events a month from starting in April and through uh, October. And one of those one of those weekend events, they tend to be weekend horse camping trips, and one of them will be a fun ride where we'll the purpose is just to show people the country and get into the backcountry, and then the other weekend is usually a work party, and we'll work with the Forest Service to define a trail that needs work, and then we go in there with chainsaws, and of course, when we work in the wilderness, we have to work with cross-cut saws, but... Uh, we'll go in and clear trail and put in water bars and that sort of thing. But they tend to be fun too. I mean, we have a pretty good time. We get a you know you get ten down, ten or twelve people out on the trail and and it makes for light work. That that's pretty good. Now, to, what's a crosscut saw and why do you need those as opposed to regular saws? Oh, a crosscut saw. I'm sure you've all seen pictures of old time lumberjacks where there's yeah, is one on each end of the saw. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're hand saws. And, and the reason uh, for that is that um, the Wilderness, Wilderness Act of 1964 precludes the use of mechanized equipment in wilderness areas. So if you're working in a designated wilderness like uh, here in central Idaho, we have the largest wilderness um contiguous wilderness area in the lower 48 states called the Frank Church River of No Turn Wilderness. Well, there's there's over 1,100 miles of trail, but no chainsaws. Um, so you have to go in with handsaws. No, oh, that stinks. <laughs> no chainsaws? Wait, no chainsaws allowed or no chainsaws no, available? No, no chainsaws allowed. Oh, okay. But I can right. say that, 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 well, it's the interpretation of the the Forest Service's current interpretation of the Wilderness Act of 1964, it, it, it bans mechanized travel, and it's been interpreted as, as banning uh, mechanized machinery for trail maintenance, which is a serious issue in all wilderness areas across the country. Because while not specifically banned, the Forest Service can interpret that rule and, you know, uh, two guys with chainsaws can cut out six, eight miles of trail in a day, and uh, two guys with a cross gun saw can, can cut out about a half mile in the downfall. And but, they're really tired at the end. <laughs> they're, they're really tired, yeah. They, yeah. You, may, you may not have heard, but the uh, the colloquial name for a, a cross gun saw is the misery whip. <laughs> oh boy! 
<laughs> I could think of a few things that would be called a misery whip. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's there's it's that you know it's it's tends to be hard work, but it's healthy work, and and you're in some of the most beautiful country in the world. And so the days go by pretty quickly. Well, now you guys, when you go out on your trail trips, uh, uh, you're going out for a weekend at a time. You you guys are doing some serious trail riding and camping, right? Well, yes. And and this summer uh, we're working with a uh, organization called the Selway, Friends of the Selway Bitterroot Wilderness, which is in northern Idaho and in western Montana. And they have uh, they put the trail maintenance crews that would they will go in for a week at a time and and actually work on a trail there'll be 10 12 14 mostly young people with hand tools and uh and we support them um in in the case i've got two eight days this summer that uh i'll go in with two pack stock plus my saddle horse i've got a friend that has three pack stock plus a saddle horse and another one or two. So we'll bring seven pack animals in and we'll pack all the food and all the personal gear, the tents, stuff like that for this, uh, trail crew. They have to, they just carry their tools and we'll go in and set a camp and then they'll work out two or three miles ahead of us. And then usually two days later, we'll move their camp and, and this is a part of the effort where we can where we can aid these crews. They they're doing all the heavy lifting, and uh, our mules and horses are doing our heavy lifting. So, Helena, to clarify, we cannot bring our trailer with our living quarters. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. That counts us well, out there again, too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, yeah, no, thinking, I'm thinking all I need is like a can of Banti bear spray and. I don't know. And some oh, serious bug repellent. <laughs> and some bug repellent. Exactly. Oh, yeah. One of those yeah. hats. Actually, have have any of your members ever worn those hats with the the deer fly tape on it? It's it's a baseball. Oh, I haven't tried that. I haven't I haven't tried that. <laughs> oh, my know. gosh. Do you remember that episode, Glenn, yes. with the backcountry? Yes. The, the, it was, like, perfect for hikers. And they, it, the yeah, the deer, the deer flies. The dorkiest looking thing you've ever seen. It was so gross, but that's all I would need is anti-bear spray and one of those hats, and I'd be good. Maybe some water. <laughs> you bet. You bet. Oh, no, water is important. In fact, you know, we've, if you there are, there's a packing list on the, the Backcountry Horsemen of America um, website is www.backcountryhorse.com. And if people want to know about the organization, that's really what they should access. And on that site, you can then find... Um, access to websites in most of the states where we're active. But there's a packing checklist on there, and bug spray is certainly a part of it. Well, not to sound like a wimp, but the, but I will. Um, <laughs> you know, I like nature. I just don't like too much nature. And I'm kind of thinking you guys are getting into the too much nature category. Well, you know, for all of our members, they're... they're oh, sorry. In, in our... Um, that's In the guard dog. He saves he he saves Robin from the bears. That's that's, that's, that's right. That's right. He uh, you know I mean we have uh, a sixty active members in our local my local chapter and and I think there's five or six of us that do real serious packing. Okay. You know we may put together a group of six or eight people like last year we went into the 
into the Sawtooth Wilderness here in Idaho, and we had two, three, four, five, six people that had never horse-packed and camped in their life, and we went in for four days. And that was just a fun trip. I mean, it's spectacular country, and these people wanted to get some experience, um, you know, really packing their horses and, and carrying their gear with them for a week. And, and those trips are, are just wonderful. I mean, they're talking alpine lakes and teeming with trout and a waterfall running right through your campsite. Bright, sunny, warm days. Does this appeal to you, Helena? Does this appealing to you? Um, yeah, it, it does. I, it does. I, I would be a little intimidated by it. But if I went with somebody who was really knowledgeable and a trustworthy horse, I, um, yeah, I, it does yeah. sound appealing to me. It does, yeah. You know, and most of our events don't involve anything like that. I mean, we usually, us early or people that are possible, will go on a Friday night. Um, set camp Saturday morning. We'll go on a trail ride of, you know, maybe four hours, maybe five hours out and back, whether it's a loop or it's an out and back. We go back to camp at the night and it's Saturday evening, have a potluck. Everyone sits around fire and tells lies. <laughs> we get up the next morning and, and uh, maybe go for a three, four hour ride on another trail. And then everybody packs up and goes home. So it's just, it's no different than going to your lake cottage, except most people are sleeping in campers or living quarters trailers. Okay, I'm okay with this one. I can handle this one, I think. Well, you know, I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm visualizing it. And I'm thinking as long as when I'm sleeping in my tent, you do have a tent, right? Like, that's okay for... (laughs) Oh, sure. Okay, so just as long as I'm not on a rock, you know, in the tent, because... Uh, you, uh, don't ask me how, but we camped out in our yard one day and I ended up on the rock. So, okay. So as long as I'm not on a rock and nothing chafes, you know, when you're in the saddle for five hours, <laughs> she's got this you, thing. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Really? Yeah. I mean, you're you know, otherwise pot luck, a five hour trail ride, lots of lies. Uh, yes. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Just no chafing and no rocks. Yep. Yep. And, and okay. you're, and out. Uh, what do we call those? Refreshing adult beverages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I have to know Although how many... It's like back- you had to stop and think for a minute. You have all kind of country statistics. How many Backcountry Horsemen America members uh, have been eaten by bears? None. Oh, okay. Just None. Right. You know, we really work hard to accommodate all levels of experience. We, we, have, we certainly have members that... We have a lot. A, a lot of people join our organization. Because so that means always... you put the newbies out front, so they get attacked first. Is that what you're saying? Oh no, 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 the, no. The trail bike. You, Helena, this is your first, first ride. You go shoo the bears away. Well, yeah, and that would be yeah. fine for me. I mean, people say, "Here, Helena, you go ahead. You'll be fine." Okay, sure. Hey, yeah, you know, I mean, your perception is is for ten, the ten years I've been doing this in the state of Idaho, which. Idaho, whether you know it or not, is is ninety four percent or eighty four percent public lands. Oh, okay. Um, it's a very steep state. They they say that that if uh, some ge- a geographer figured this out, if they flattened Idaho, it'd be bigger than Texas. Wow! But so much, but so much of it is vertical <laughs> that that the actual area is. But anyway, what I was going to say, in 10 years of doing this in, out here in the West, in Wyoming, Utah, Montana, Oregon, and and I and Idaho, I mean, I've, I think I've seen three bears. 
you know, there's tend to get out of your way pretty quick. Yeah, and they hear. I mean, it's not like you guys are stealthy. I mean, you got the horses and the, all, all the. You know, you're making noise uh, along the way. You know, everybody, so. everybody makes a lot of noise going down the trail, and yeah. then you get the chatty Cathy's that like to have a conversation <laughs> on the trail. That'd be Alina and I. Wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> shut up? They'd kick us out. Well, you can find out more about this at Backcountry Horse. You know, we're doing a lot of kidding around here, but I really think it's a sure. core, core, cool organization. And if, and Jennifer would want to get. But Jennifer, my wife, would do this in a minute. She loves to trail ride. And, you know, 80% of this country trail rides. That's the largest segment of the horse population in the world, actually, is trail riders. It's not competitors. It's, it's not, you know, it's not people who show. It's trail riders. You bet. And, and one of, one of the, every, in every state where we have chapters, um, in every state we're in, one of the primary um, objectives of all those units is is education so we'll take people that have never been on a trail ride before i had a man last year 52 years old had never been on a horse before and i threw him up on this uh big steady horse i've got and tied him into the saddle off you yeah no no he did just fine he did just fine you know a lot of the horses that we use yeah, they're pretty broke. Doesn't who gets yeah. on, yeah. Doesn't matter who gets on them. You know. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Robin, is it Shindel or Shindle? It's Shindley. Shindley. Okay, Shindley. so Robin Shindley. Back- well, thanks, Member thanks back for giving me an oppor- no opportunity problem. to talk about backcountry horsemen. I'm always willing to do that. Well, back- we're going to put links up on StableScoop.com to your website and um, this way folks can just all they have to do is remember Stable Scoop and they can get all the information about your organization through there. Thank you, Robin. Well, thank you very much. Well, there it is. Get your tent and your sleeping bag ready, Helena. You're on your way. I'm shipping you to Idaho. I'm telling you, that's fine. Just no chafing and no rocks. <laughs> I'll be good. I got to think that if you're riding for 8, 12 hours a day, you're going to have some chafing. Oh, yeah, but they have stuff for that. <laughs> I, I just, I'll just invest in a really, I don't know, some high-tech, super cool bionic britches and a seat saver and some anti-monkey butt. And if all that fails, then just a bottle of tequila. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer got back from a two-hour trail ride. Now, we haven't, she hasn't trail rode for that length of time in a long time because there just wasn't much place to do it in Lexington. So here, I mean, you can go for hours and hours. And uh, she came back the other day from her two-hour trail ride. She said, I need to buy some of that anti-monkey butt powder. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, it's Florida, too. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, moisture. <laughs> moisture. So I got to try out something that I had never tried out before from Equity Manufacturing. And I, I had to get the help of some of the neighbors, though, Helena, because we have, we have sand paddocks here and then like a running area for the, for the horse when it's hot and things. And a lot of people in our neighborhood, there's 400 homes here in this equestrian neighborhood, about 300 of them horses, but a lot of them have them outside. So I had to find ones that actually kept their horses in stalls. And I did that. So I called two of them up and I said, hi, I'm your new neighbor and guess what? We would like to to help you clean your stalls for a day. And they both agreed it was very nice. One of them used pellet bedding, and the other used shavings. So what I did is I took my shaken fork. Now, the shaken fork is a manure fork that's motorized. It actually has a little motor built into it, and it has a, at the handle, it has a trigger. 
So you press the trigger, and and this thing vibrates. It vibrates the manure fork part, and it lets all of the good stuff fall out, and it keeps all the poop in the fork, and the theory is you waste less bedding. And you can also clean the stalls faster, as we've heard from a couple of people over the last couple of weeks who we've talked to about this. So I actually got to try it out, and I got to tell you, the first thing impression I had was this thing is heavy-duty. This is industrial strength. When you hold on to this thing, you, does, I was figuring it might feel a little cheap and plasticky. In no way does it. It feels yeah, solid. I had that, doesn't yeah, it? same impression. Yeah, it's a, it's a significant piece of equipment. It's not just a pitchfork you can get at your feed store. No, yeah. this is solid. This is, a, you know, and I tested it. Let me tell you some of the things I did. You guys are going to laugh. Uh, so I actually went to these people's houses, and I cleaned their stalls. <laughs> And they were fascinated by it, too. So that was part of the fun of the deal, is everybody's watching and wanting to try it, and they're all trying it out. This is really cool. I got to tell you, when, when w- w- the shavings stall, you couldn't have too big a shavings or you can't use this fork. It just doesn't fall through right. And that's true of any, you know, this fork is made, really made for the finer shavings or the pellets, you know, that kind of thing. So... Um, we used it uh, on the shavings one. They used smaller shavings, so it worked just fine. Shavings fell through, and really, literally, what you were left with is either the wet stuff or the manure. That was it. That's what went into the wheelbarrow in that case. So I'll tell you what. It, you, I can see you saving a lot of money on betting, and everybody we've talked to that's used the shaken fork now says the same thing. You're going to save half your money on betting because you're not throwing away all of the clean stuff, it just falls through. And it, you do quick, I found, I did quick bursts. You just do, and then you dump, and, and then you dump. And I got through the stall pretty quickly, and that was my first time. I got better as the day went on cleaning, cleaning more stalls. So then we go over to the other barn, which was really funny. And this was sort of an elderly couple. And he was fascinated by, by this thing. And, and he actually ended up cleaning a lot of the stalls. So... The the pellet worked great. I mean, the little pellets just fell through. They had recently put in new pellets, and then they had one stall that had grown. You know how the pellets do. Yeah. And uh, we cleaned both, and it just worked terrifically. And really, when we looked at the manure wagon at the, at the end, mm-hmm. it was full of manure. There wasn't any bedding in it. Now, the wet stuff will stay on the fork. The one thing I didn't realize about the shaken fork is that it's variable speed. So the harder you press the trigger, the faster the thing goes. Well, if you go to full speed with some, with, in one of the cases, it would be all over the walls. I mean, you really have to be careful and get used to the thing, okay? So we, we, we had to play with that a little bit. And, and, you know, he says, the owner of the equity says, Joseph says, when you get these, give it a week. Try it for a week and really play around with it. I can see why. Because you kind of have to get used to it. You kind of have to get used to the fact that you're letting the fork do all the work. And literally, you pick up a pile, you go, and you dump. You don't shake the fork. You're still not supposed to shake the fork because it shakes for you. And that's hard to get used to. And I've talked to a couple other people that use this on it religiously, and they said the same thing. When they first started using it, it, it was hard to get used to not shaking the fork. Yeah. So, but this guy wanted to keep it. I think he's going to end up buying one because he just loved it. And he was a little bit older and he had a little bit of arthritis. So for him, this was actually a godsend because he can't shake too well. Um, so that was terrific. Then I brought it back here to, and I used it to clean the paddock. Well, in some of the areas where the sand is looser, uh, it, the manure gets mixed in if the horse is walking around. So I was able to dig into the sand and 
get all the manure out very easily. It was terrific for that. And remember, Joseph told, told us that he had designed it. One of the design features was to be used to clean oil off of beaches. Yes. And I can see why now. Now, the other thing we have, you, you also use the other one. You use... The flex and the fork. The flex and fork, and we do too, okay? We've used the flex and fork around here to clean what I would gather is about 100 loads of leaves into our wagon behind the, the tractor. We had leaves for the last five years here, and we literally have cleaned 100 loads of leaves, and I did it with that fork. The, both of them are heavy-duty. They're, they're not, you know, they're, if, you, if you jumped up and down on them and you're 300 pounds, you're probably going to break them. But they're heavy duty. Those tines kept getting caught in roots as we're trying to clean the leaves. And they didn't break like the other ones do, the cheapy ones. I, I got to stop you. Yeah. I, I, no, no, you're not going to break these tines. What you You're do? not. I'm telling you, Martin stood on them, stood and spun. Um, I've gotten one tine stuck like under a mat. Um Peter drove over it with the, not the regular <laughs> John Deere mowing stuff. tractor, but with the Kubota. Oh, my God. I'm not kidding you. I, I, it has now become a mission of mine <laughs> to see if I can break this fork. <laughs> it really is. It's, um, no, when, when, and I, that's one of the things that I say to myself every time I'm out there using it. If I'm just picking you know, manure in the field or, or doing stalls, I, I just say to myself, I'm really surprised for the weight of the fork, whether it was the motorized one or the flexing fork. It, the durability for the weight is really the thing that keeps coming back to me. I'm like, yeah, a lot of people, when they pick these up at first, say that they're a little heavy. You kind of get used to the heavy part, but they're heavy because they have more tines and they're durable. I, I, I just didn't thing. think it was that much heavier. I really I, didn't. I took the thing and scared Jennifer to death <laughs> yesterday. I took, now this is the motorized fork. Now these aren't cheap. I mean, they're well worth it because you're going to get a lot of use out of them over a period of time. You're going to save a lot of money on betting alone. But I took it, and I, after I was done, I took it, and I threw it on the ground. <laughs> and she was like, ah! <laughs> I said, well, i got to see if it's durable. I'm supposed to be testing this thing. And it was. And did you I have mean, a plan as to what would happen if it wasn't? No, I was going to be calling Joseph and saying, boy, this fork is not durable at all. I threw it on the ground, and it didn't work. But no, it did, really did work. It worked just fine after that. Uh, so I got to tell you, this is a horse husband's dream. If you clean stalls, if you have any number of stalls, or you know, or especially as Anastasia said a couple weeks ago, if you have any kind of uh, handicap where where you're where you can't have the movement that you once had, it's it is a godsend because you just press the button, it does all the work for you, and you dump into the barrel. I mean, that's as simple as that. I got it. I, I'm going to be using it more and more, and I think my neighbor's going to be borrowing it. Actually, so, <laughs> so I think thank that's you. How they, that's how they're getting sold right now. Somebody yes. buys one, and that's then right. like two or three friends try it and see it, and the next thing you know, a dozen are sold in one neighborhood. I guarantee you, there's going to be some orders coming out of this neighborhood. So that's uh, thank you to my neighbors for allowing me to come over, you know, and just say, "Here I am. I'm going to clean your stalls for you." By the way, they weren't too upset about that either. Nobody gets upset when somebody wants to come clean their stalls. No, uh, no, no, not no. at all. But that was my test and you can find them all at equitymfg.com that's e-q-u-i-t-e-e-m-f-g.com and i want to say one other thing they are a little bit more expensive than you're used to especially the motorized one but you will save money with this thing it's going to last you a long time and you know and if you have a horse husband that you try to get to clean the stalls you hand him this thing he's going to go clean the stalls just because it's fun that's all i'm going to say because you know what? 
us horse husbands, we need a distraction, and something motorized is a distraction <laughs> enough. EquityMFG.com. Oh, right. Well, I have to say, I'm listening to this whole thing, and I'm like, yeah, that'll be the last time you do stalls. <laughs> At their stalls. It's the last time I'm volunteering to That's do the That's what I mean. That's stalls. the last time you will volunteer to do someone else's stalls. I'm sure Jen will. Well, no, you guys aren't going to have stalls now. You no, have that we sand, have, We have right? sand and the run-in shed and things, so, you know, it's just picking up the paddocks. We do pick up the paddocks every day. Because they can yeah. get kind of icky with the sand and everything. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's nice to be able to pick. Like my, my you know, it's funny because the, the manure out in my field, when it rains and then the horses run through it, it makes these craters, right? Yeah, you know, that I'm, yeah. I'm constantly trying to repair. And my neighbors all laugh even. at me because I'm out there in my pajamas with a cup of coffee <laughs> at like 630 every morning trying to even out my field by stepping on the divots. Anyway, um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. The, so now that we haven't had rain in like a million years all those craters have dried and it's really hard. And guess where the manure goes? Yep. In the, in the divots. <laughs> the in the divots. Thing. And um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, being able to pick. Oh, so anyway, so you're picking up, you're using the, the flex and fork or the shake and fork to, you know, the, to pick up your manure from the sand. Uh, like I said, thank God for the flex and fork because I'm always jamming the fork into these divots and I, I get mad because I'm like, stupid divots you know and i jam in the fork in there and i think oh god he, he's gonna kill me because i am gonna be the one and only person who breaks his fork in life. <laughs> well that's it that's uh that's what that is now let me tell you something uh we both have a friend uh, who we've known for many many years and her name is rochelle and she decided that she wanted to be a veterinarian and not at, at a young age either we're talking in her 30s and she worked for years to get into vet school. And it is very difficult, especially if you're coming back as an adult, you know, not right out of college, to get into vet school. It is hard. So she tried vet schools all over the world and got accepted into a vet school in Slovakia. Yes, well, I and she's, she's from the UK. She's right. British. She is British. So she, she has – and she's traveled the world with um, – in the driving community – as one of the top grooms for some of the top competitors in the driving world. And so she's been all over the world. She spent a, a majority of the time here in the United States. That's how we all met. We all worked together with Jennifer. Um, and man, did I learn a thing or two from Michelle. So, you know, when she did go to choose her, her schools, she had, um, I think, a, a broader experience than most vet students. And it takes some guts to want to go to a foreign country where they speak a strange language and take, go to vet school. You well, know? that's Rochelle's got guts. Let <laughs> yes. me tell you. <laughs> yeah, she'll do. She's anything. got guts. So I got a chance the other day, Helena, to catch up with her on Skype and to find out how vet school is going. And she, and she talked a little bit about vet school, a little bit about the food, and and a little bit about the difference in culture there in Slovakia. So let's hear from Rochelle. Well, hi, Rochelle. Hi, Glenn. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. And of course, uh, you know, as we said, Rochelle, we've been talked to several times and about her adventures on being in vet school in... Now, I always get it wrong. I always say Slo- Slo- Slovenia, but you're actually in Slovakia. Yeah, Slovakia. We're above Slovenia. We're okay. Up. And what town again? Um, Korsica. Korsica. Okay. Yeah, so that 10 times fast. Yeah, no, I don't want to because I'd get kicked <laughs> off the air. Um <laughs> So, so how's it going? Tell us what vet school's like in a foreign country where you don't understand anything they're saying. Yeah, <laughs> it's going great, actually. 
the animals speak a universal language, so it's um, not too bad. No, I'm having a really good time. Very happy I came. Now, are you, do you have some classes in English, or are they all in English? Tell, tell me how it works. Oh, yeah. All of our classes are in English. Um, all of our professors speak English, some of them with a stronger accent than others, but we can definitely understand everybody. Um, it's funny because they apologize for their English, and we think it's perfect, and we don't speak any Slovakian. So um, it's great. They're really good professors, really enjoying it. So the school, you, you give the school an A so far? So far, so good. Yep. <laughs> so tell us what, what uh, you must have an interesting story or two. I noticed that on Facebook you've done some field trips so far. Oh, yeah. We do a lot of field trips. We're really lucky. We have a school farm. We have a school dairy farm. And so we go there on trips. We've also been to other farms, pig farms. I think we're going to a chicken farm in a couple of weeks. We also have a school stables, which is fun. Uh, we go there for riding lessons actually on Wednesday. So that's, that's kind of nice. Not so you have been able to ride since you've been there? Yeah, we've been riding, yep. And we've also been doing a little bit of vaulting. The, um, really? What's that? The only vaulting you've ever done up to this point is involuntary. Exactly. Illegal <laughs> dismount. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> no, the guy is a um he's a Slovakian vaulting um instructor and works for the Slovakian team. He's been to multiple world championships and such like and we just happen to have him here at our vet school. So he teaches us. It's good fun. So you can do a flying leap onto a horse now? Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> flying leap off a horse? I mean, he's teaching us, doesn't mean we're learning. Yeah. No. <laughs> Poor guy, he leaves crying every evening. <laughs> and have you made friends? We've made a lot of friends, yeah, we have actually. all seems to revolve around um, a couple of matriculation balls that we had. And uh, so we went and we were sitting with all the Slovakian students. And I think they're a little nervous because they don't really know any of us. And they're a little embarrassed to come up and say hi. So a little alcohol was involved and many friends were made that night. So that's good. And then we also have um, three times a week we have anatomy that we go. We can do our self-study. So we go in. It's big. You can imagine a big anatomy building, big, disgusting, smelly, horrible building, dead animals everywhere. And um, there are students that have to monitor that. And so we know them really well because they always see us in there. So, yeah, we've made a lot of good friends, actually. They're nice people, really nice people. So what, uh, what fun things have you done in, in, outside of school there? Uh, not that much. been a lot of studying, to be perfectly honest. But the riding is fun. Going to the riding, we've been on all these field trips to see all the farms uh, there is a water park that someone went to. We just had Easter break. So a bunch of people either went home or people went to go do fun things like the water park. There's skiing. We have a ski hill probably ooh, half an hour away from us. And then a big major because we're in the Tatras Mountains and they have the high Tatras and the low Tatras. And they're big, pretty big skiing facilities. So that's nice. You can go skiing anytime. We go into town a lot. Uh, karaoke bar, we go sing in the karaoke bar, we're going again on Friday. So we do stuff like that. Well, now, do you, um, how about the food? So has the food been a, a culture shock for you? <laughs> the food is interesting. It's been a blend. Okay, that's like going out on a first date and saying, she was interesting. 
<laughs> so there's a cafeteria here in the building, and there's also one at school, but it's all in Slovakian, and you have to order it the day before. The problem is we have no idea what we're Whoa. ordering. <laughs> And so we're too chicken to order it. So we go there with our little, you know, Slovak books and we try and figure out what it is, but we can't figure out what the food is. Um, so we've, we've eaten the goulash. The goulash is amazing and there's many amazing things. But we also, in our anatomy, we have a great teacher in anatomy and she was telling us all about interesting foods and we happen to be doing the digestive system of ruminants. And she said, oh, yes, the rumen." you make a very good soup out of this. I'm like, what? Mm. And they make a soup called drushki, and it's made from the rumen of a cow. Which is basically <laughs> the intestines, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we wrote down the name. You know, intestine soup doesn't sound as good as, uh, as what do you call it? Drushki. Yeah. Drushki. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Mm. Good. So have it's you gotten good. anything that you went, oh, I just don't like this. This is not good. Well, we've had lots of food that we have no idea what it is. So lots of meat products that we're not sure. There's a lot of salamis and sausages, but they all taste pretty good, to be perfectly honest. So is it is it more to the German food? Would it be more like German food with the it's sausages and the salamis and things like that? There's no bratwurst here. Haven't found any bratwurst. Uh, not a bratwurst anyway. Right. Um, and I lived there when I was a kid, so I kind of was expecting that kind of food. And we're right near Austria, so one would think have something a little Germanic. But they have their own stuff. Um, lots of sausage that eh, you couldn't even say it was Italian sausage or anything. It's got strange, a lot of paprika. Everything's got paprika in it. Uh, so very smoky flavored. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, a lot of greasy sausages, too. I like sausages, but... Well, you, I assume that the beer has come over. That has made the way across the board. Oh, yeah, you missed out. If you're a beer aficionado, you need to be here. Pivo, it's called Pivo, P-I-V-O, and it costs about 90 cents for a glass of Oh, Pivo. really? Yeah. <laughs> so you can be a cheap drunk. So cheap. Yeah. Even things like shots and that, everything is much, much cheaper. Yeah. They're a big drinker, actually. There's a big drinking community here. You walk into town, and there are lots of little cafes selling coffee and cake. And then right next door will be basically a little bar with seats outside. And all during the day, everyone's sitting around drinking. I mean, not that they're alcoholics, but <laughs> everyone's out. It's a big kind of social scene everyone's drinking in the afternoons do they do the siestas there like in spain and mexico no 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 siestas sorry just thought i'd ask i'm really voting for siestas oh really (laughs) kind of liking that idea (laughs) well now so as far as schooling is concerned how are you doing grade wise and everything oh terrible terrible they're gonna kick me out in a minute No, I'm doing fine. I'm hanging on in there. And like I think everyone says for vet school too, it's not what you're learning, it's the amount. And it really is a ridiculous amount of information to smush into my old brain. So um, I literally just sit at my computer all day, all my hours. I'm not out doing something else, animal type. I'm back in reading, going over my homework. So there's a lot of reading. 
Well, I'm glad you're doing well, and it's so good to get caught up with you again. You're gonna, we'll, we'll keep in touch, and we'll keep tabs on you. You're, you're our adopted vet student. So, <laughs> and you. Of course, we had to have an adopted vet student from Slovakia because yeah. that's just exotic, and we don't know exactly. anything about Slovakia. What I know about Slovenia is that's where all of the, the uh, most of, when the last cruise I took, most of the servers and things were from Slovenia, and they were all absolutely gorgeous uh, blonde girls. Yes. They're very beautiful people over here, actually. Yep. All the girls are very fit. They're tall slender they get up in the morning and they are made up they have high heels and makeup and jewelry and they go to class oh yeah you won't see many slovakian girls looking dowdy they're the best dressed vets in the world right yes yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah they put us to shame let me tell you they really do yeah. a slovenly americans yeah <laughs> well, well, wednesday morning seven o'clock class <laughs> well thank you rochelle and, and good luck keep it up Thanks, Glenn. I appreciate it. Regular listeners to the show know that we love Kentucky Performance Products. And that's an easy thing to do because Kentucky Performance Products stand behind their products and they believe in them. Your complete satisfaction is guaranteed. If you are unsatisfied with any of their products, they will gladly refund your money. Does your horse or pony get fat on air alone? Is he living in a dry lot or turned out with a muzzle? Can't feed him more than a handful of grain and some hay? Then you need microphase. Microphase is a great way to ensure your horse or pony gets all of the nutrients he needs to stay healthy without adding calories to his diet. Microphase contains the vitamins and trace minerals not found in grass or hay, and your horse will eat it right out of your hand. You can learn more about Microphase and all of the products from Kentucky Performance Products by visiting kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Check out Microphase. Oh, I miss adventures with Rochelle. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I want to be in Slovakia right now. I'm, I'm more interested in going to Florida at this point, but... You know, she really, um, she just has such a wonderful perspective on life's adventures. And I think she's going to make a fantastic veterinarian. You know, one of the fond memories I have of the time when you were all together up there in Massachusetts was when you all went to take a polo lesson. You guys all, you you and my wife, Rochelle, and a couple of the other people from, from the barn went and took your first polo lesson, and you guys laughed and had the best time I've ever heard, seen you have. I mean, you oh my just God. had so much fun. She was, all I remember was, was her screaming to me because they, they all used to call me H because it, it just too, took too long to say Helena. And Rochelle used to call me H. And I remember, you know, with these polo ponies, they were not teachable polo ponies. These were like, these were you know, polo ponies. <laughs> these were like live action polo ponies. They weren't used to giving people lessons, you know. So I was like, well, what, how do you, do you put your leg on? What? And all I did was like relax my leg and this thing took off like a shot. Next thing I know, someone's like, Post to the canner. <laughs> and it was Rochelle. She's like, H, H, post. I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> I got this like 900-pound mallet, and all I hear is Rochelle screaming, H. <laughs> if I could, I would. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we had a really, um, we had a great, had a blast. <laughs> great time. I, I still say that we will reconvene. I, I do, I think we will put the team of, Jennifer, Rochelle, Margaret, and Helena back together again someday. I think that'll happen. In Florida, preferably. Thank you very much, Rochelle. I know you want to maybe work with exotic animals. We have lots of those in Florida. So. Oh, gosh, yeah. She could go down to SeaWorld or, or anywhere right. down there. We have a million zoos and parks down here. So come see us down here, Rochelle. 
because uh, I don't think I'm getting to Slovakia anytime soon. Although the pretty girl she talked about is in motivation to go to Slovakia. <sighs> God, pretty girls and pork. <laughs> uh, if anybody funny. out there listening wants to know how to get on Glenn's good side, I do like pork, give him either too. one of those things. I'm a pork guy. I like pork. The other white meat. Well, that's it for this week. That's about all we've got. Uh, we're going to come back to you next week. Now, next week's going to be a little bit different, too, in that you've just gotten home from Florida. And I'm going to be talking to you from Rolex. Rolex. Yeah, so I'll be on the phone for that uh, show. And I'll be talking to you from Rolex. So hopefully I'll have a report. That'll be Thursday. Let me see. Thursday, we're going to record that. That's dressage day. Yep, I have all the time in the world to talk to you from Rolex. That won't be all the time in the world. That's awful. You know, we have a whole show called the Dressage Radio Show, and here you are throwing dressage under the bus. Let me tell you something. At Rolex, there's dressage on Thursday and Friday. Thursday, there's nobody in the park. And there's a whole day of dressage. Friday, you get about, mm, you get get a few thousand people in the park. Saturday for cross-country, there's 50,000 people there. So there you go. Well, that's what, you know, that's the meat and bones of of eventing. I I I, somebody watch. needs to come up with something exciting. Like they need to have, they already have an inventor's version of dressage, which is really just dressage the way inventors do it. But maybe they could put a little twist on it that makes it, I don't know, more exciting. Well, freestyle, not that dressage dressage, is not- freestyle dressage, adding music and, you know, not doing a set pattern does that. But I agree with you. I think we should have fire and flames and we should have, you know, bulls running around and, you know, things like that. Okay, no. That's a rodeo. Wait a minute. That's wrong. That's, <laughs> that's not even a rodeo. That's a circus. Don't forget, but. you can find all the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Helena, we'll see you in a couple days. You, you will indeed. Tally ho.